Hello and welcome to the Pixel Swim Podcast, episode 44. This is the podcast where I take a dive into my personal journey through design and technology and where they meet, plus other tidbits I find interesting. My name is Steve Heinrich, the host. This episode is being recorded on Wednesday, November 21st, 2018, and will be released on Thursday, November 22nd, 2018. Visit pixelswim.com for all of the so- show notes <laughs> and social links or the social notes, <laughs> as I think I was trying to say there. Either way, yeah, pixelswim.com if you want to leave feedback or get in touch and or follow along with the links, which I will have a few today. So anyway, let's uh, kind of dive into to the weekly notes, feedback and links. This is going to be a shorter show <laughs> here in the US. It is Wednesday and tomorrow is Thursday, November 22nd. So that is Thanksgiving. So to all of my listeners in the US, happy Thanksgiving. I hope you have a great day off. <laughs> I know I'm going to enjoy the day off over here in the US. So I always enjoy Thanksgiving, a low obligation holiday. Uh, may, well, for some, I mean, having to travel, a lot of traveling going on right now. But either way, happy Thanksgiving to everyone. And so that means that the day after Thanksgiving is Black Friday, of course. And so I just wanted to put it out there. I'm not a Black Friday shopper. (laughs) I do not go out for Black Friday like a lot of people do. Uh, They call it Black Friday, but really it's becoming a black week. <laughs> it's pretty much starts on Monday uh, this week and then runs through Cyber Monday, basically feels like it. it's it's almost a week long thing now. The, the sense of urgency with all the deals being on Friday has kind of, I don't know, dulled down a little bit. I mean, I feel like perhaps these companies have realized they can cash in a lot more around this time. So Black Friday is still people still go for Black Friday, but although it starts on Thursday evening, usually is when all of the deals start in store in retail stores over here, which and it's just gotten earlier and earlier every year that 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 that's happened. And can't say that I'm a big fan of that. But either way, I I will look online for deals um, because it's a lot easier and calmer. (laughs) to do but uh, I don't have my eyes on any sort of deals that are coming up I haven't you know I've kind of looked a little bit at the ads and things that have been coming my way as far as you know checking out what's coming for Black Friday I don't really have anything that I want to get on sale or on special so not really you know I'll look around and and see if there's anything that's you know too good to pass up kind of a thing but I'm not going to go too much out of my way to do that. Just whoever I'm already subscribed to via email, any retailers, that's that's about as far as I'll go. But either way, uh, I it, also around this time of year, and actually today I saw this too in the eBay app. If you don't use that on Android or iOS, I don't think it's not available on Windows Phone anymore. Anyway, <laughs> in the eBay app, they do put out a lot of limited time coupons. And I noticed today, which is November 21st, which won't do you any good, but just a reminder to keep a lookout because they have a, a lot of times they'll put out a 10% off or 15% off everything around this time of year. I know last year they did kind of a similar thing during the holiday season. And I think I took advantage of that. I don't know what I got, but it, you know, it's, uh, 
a limit of a hundred dollars of savings, which is pretty, you know, pretty generous. So uh, just keep an eye out for that in the eBay app. If you don't have that installed, I would check it out because they will push out notifications for those coupons. And so uh, if you're, you know, if you got your watch list full of stuff on eBay, it's not a bad time to sort of maybe maybe take advantage of getting it uh, at a you know a little bit of a discount. So and depending, you, I mean, you could get a phone <laughs> on there, a smartphone for fifteen percent off. That's a pretty good deal. So uh, you can save a big chunk of money if you are looking at something on eBay. But either way, I just thought I would just kind of put that out there. Anyway, like I was saying, this is going to be a shorter episode because of the holiday week and just uh, had to go into work a couple times this over the past week. And so I haven't had as much time to sit down and put together all of the notes and stuff. So I thought I would just, we'll just call it the Thanksgiving holiday special edition of the Pixel Swim podcast. But anyway, I just, the next thing on my agenda or my notes here is I just wanted to do a quick short response to the phone show last phone show chat podcast episode, uh, which was number 473. And very quickly, they talked about on the show, they did mention my podcast again, which I appreciate as always. Uh, But basically, they were going over the idea of not, you know, not maybe not that they don't understand what the issue is with that people have with Google, like I've been going over the past weeks and weeks, they were basically saying that the the trade off for the services and the things that Google provides is probably worth it. Uh, that and then Steve Litchfield and Ted Salmon were talking about the the good things that they get out of having these Google accounts and these free services. And yeah, that's uh, I definitely agree that Google is super useful. All of these services, the Maps, the Gmail everything that Google provides on Android and the, you know, via the web, all of those things, uh, photos, (laughs) I forgot to say, which is super good. Uh, All of those things are super useful. And the, you know, trading in your data for their advertising profile to get these services is, you know, I can see how that would be, it's, it's useful, you are getting something back, I will, you know, I acknowledge that you are getting something back. And I just wanted to, you know, it, it, it gets tough because I am skeptical of companies and big data and advertising. And, and, and it's really not just about the advertising. It's kind of the overarching theme of data and and where that data ends up. I'm not, you know, it's, it's when third parties <laughs> become involved in using that data as well or and then even beyond that when the powers that be uh governmental wise are able to utilize that data too so i know that there's a lot of skepticism and a lot of paranoia perhaps in my my view of google and all that data and i also realize that moving over to microsoft isn't necessarily the best long-term solution i'm just kind of taking steps now because really moving to my own server is probably the only good actual good solution for sort of reclaiming data and even then everything that goes over the internet is easily tracked and and accounted for by any you know you can't get away from (laughs) from your data or your internet connection 
is connected into, you know, a bigger network of things that you probably don't necessarily want either. But either way, it's <laughs> I, I will just say this. I'll just end by saying this. And I get what Ted and San, Ted and Steve were saying. And I, there definitely is a trade-off there. And I have for many years been willing to make that trade-off because I really loved using all of Google's stuff. And I still do use some of it now. You know, I haven't completely given up on everything because they do provide really great services. And so some are very difficult to get away from. But I'll just, and like I was saying, I'll just end by saying it, it's difficult from my perspective in my view of things to be skeptical of all of the the data stuff and also have an interest in technology and smartphones. <laughs> Those things kind of, they are highly in contrast with each other, you know, in, in conflict with each other. And so it's not, I'm not having fun <laughs> moving all this stuff away, but unfortunately just the way that my, my mind works and the evidence and the views and the things that I see in the long term, I, I feel like moving away from a world where I give up all of this data for those types of services and the potential of things being done with the data that I don't want necessarily. It's just I've I just want to move past that. And, and I think there's a lot of people out there who want the same thing where they kind of just want to get it, their data kind of back into their control. And essentially where they can comprehend and know with transparency what is going on behind the scenes. And like I said, Microsoft is just my next step towards that. Uh, it's not necessarily it's <laughs> I know it's not the best solution. But anyway, I just wanted to put out my response to that. Yeah, I really enjoyed the last phone show chat podcast, uh, as I always do. And but anyway, let's move on in my notes here and Let's kind of get back into this whole sort of holiday weekend thing where I've got a few days off here. So I'll be off there's a long weekend, Thursday through Sunday, I will be off of work. So I will probably be uh, doing something I wanted to do for a little while, which is Microsofting my LG G6. So essentially, I'm going to probably back everything up, uh, factory data, reset it and reset everything up with the with Microsoft in mind, you know, kind of starting with the Microsoft launcher app as the catalyst for everything else. And really, it probably will take just <laughs> one night or, you know, an afternoon or something like that. But, you know, once you get it all set up and then customizing it probably for the rest of the weekend. But Looking forward to doing that since I've got most of my services connected into Microsoft now. And hopefully it'll just make the experience a little more seamless and usable on all of my devices because I will be on Microsoft. So even my Windows phones will be a little bit easier to set up and use as well, even though most of them are set up already. But as far as factory resetting and adding accounts and all that stuff, but yeah, so I'm looking forward to doing that with the my limited time off this weekend. And so to kind of round out this episode, I have a bunch of links that I want to share. So if you're here in the US and you're 
off and today is Thanksgiving and you're listening to this, why are you not spending it with your family right now? Why are you listening to my podcast on Thanksgiving? I'm just kidding. (laughs) Anyway, I would probably be listening. I'll probably be listening to some sort of podcast on Thanksgiving Day. But either way, I will share some links here to kind of if you need some other things to do on your your time off. You can go through and read through some of these things. And the first one kind of goes along with the holiday season and Black Friday and all that stuff. It's uh, on Mozilla's website. They did a post about uh, called Shop Safe This Holiday Season. So very relevant to this, the release of this podcast. Uh, Basically, they go over a bunch of sort of Internet of Things slash connected electronic devices and sort of rate them by how creepy they are. <laughs> and creep by creepy, they mean how sort of what sort of thing data these devices collect and and what they do with that data and stuff like that. So there's a whole list of pretty popular products out there and they go from from not creepy to super creepy. So Just spoiler alert, the most super creepy thing on this, and you may have heard bad stories about this in the past, is the, I think it's called the Freddy Baby Monitor. And so essentially, this is like a web-connected baby monitor camera, and they go over on the each page uh, certain aspects of the device and kind of how it uses the data. So whether or not it uses encryption, the reading, I would, I thought this was kind of interesting. It, it they provide the reading level for for their privacy policy. So basically, how easy is it to read and understand their privacy policy of these products and stuff like whether they share your information that they collect with third parties, uh, whether you can control all of that data, and like I was saying, the the most creepy device was this baby monitor because essentially it doesn't use encryption. It's super easy to be hacked and they have a section which is kind of cool on each page called what could happen if something went wrong (laughs) so for the baby monitor it says this product does not does a seemingly poor job projecting protecting privacy and security there is a lot of anecdotal evidence out there demonstrating these baby cameras are regularly and routinely hacked potentially someone could access the video feed during private moments and spy on your family so yeah uh that so you get the idea of of how uh, private the, some of these devices are. But yeah, check that link out in the show notes because I think it's kind of interesting to to see all the products that they cover. And a lot of there's a lot of smart home devices on here as well. Uh, some drones, some smart watches. And right at the top, they have a bunch of stuff that's not creepy, like the Nintendo Switch, etc. But it's a good, you know, even if you're, the product you're looking to buy isn't on this list, it's a good idea to kind of understand all of the aspects of what a connected device can do and, you know, the, what it can collect and, and what it does with the data. So, uh, of course, that goes right along with everything I've been t- talking about endlessly on this podcast. So uh, check that out in the show notes link. Like I said, that's on mozilla.org. Uh, Mozilla, of course, is the fire, you know, they make Firefox. So they are adamantly against bad privacy. So 
anyway, so that was kind of a just kind of a primer for your holiday shopping this season. There's a, I just wanted to share this next link because it is it's just a little bit fun, <laughs> I guess, just a little bit. But if you've ever wanted to kind of create your own emoji and haven't been able to find, you know, an emoji that you really like and you want to create an image of a custom built emoji, which kind of essentially there's the it's a link to this site, the emoji builder. And this is built by Philip Antoni and looks like a personal project. So essentially you get a bit, you get all of the aspects of emojis and you can kind of pick and choose what you want to add to your emoji. And then you can download a PNG file of it on uh, image and use that if you'd like. So, I mean, this isn't for adding emojis to your phone necessarily. It's just for creating a custom emoji based off of all of the current emojis. So if you have kind of a an idea that you want to put together an emoji face that you haven't used or haven't been able to find, then you can go here and just, you know, click around and create a weird emoji. So you can have one eye be a star one eye be a skeptical eye and you can have a, a shouting mouth <laughs> to create a really uninterpretable emoji <laughs> which is the example that i see here on my page but it's just kind of fun and this is really just for the de for a desktop browser i just want to make sure that's clear that if you tap on that link on the mobile i don't doesn't look like it works on a mobile device i could be wrong but that's been my experience with it but i thought it was just kind of fun i thought i would share that okay so the next link that i want to share is a link to a post called why are tech companies making custom typefaces so this definitely goes this is the perfect intersection of design and technology typefaces and fonts and how they correspond with uh, with tech companies so this is on aron.is and basically goes over the custom typefaces that companies use. And they use uh, Netflix and IBM as examples of companies that use custom typefaces. And it kind of goes over the reasons why a tech company would want to create a custom typeface. And basically, to summarize some of the beginning is that companies generally would just license an already created typeface in the past. And so companies that can afford it these days will go with a custom built or designed typeface. And they state that the most obvious reason is cost. Uh, it says developing a custom typeface can eliminate the recurring licensing fees that must be paid to foundries. So type foundries it says IBM and Netflix claim to save millions of dollars per year by switching from Helvetica to IBM Plex and Gotham and Gotham which is a typeface to Netflix Sans, respectively. Another reason is to support is support for multiple languages. Many companies in Western countries may start by using a typeface that only covers Latin script. As their user base or business footprint grows geographically, they'll have to start supporting other scripts. Some companies get past this hurdle by licensing other typefaces that cover those target scripts. However, that can come with even more licensing costs, as Intel experienced before it commissioned Dalton Mag to create their Clear Sans font. So yeah, that's kind of the crux of the article, is why are these companies doing that? Those are really the kind of the biggest reasons for that. Also, they mention in here, and it's something that I've 
kind of keep in mind as well. And if you think about Roboto on Android, the the same reason that they created that is that a lot of existing typefaces are not necessarily designed for the digital age. And so when you create a font like Netflix did or Google did with Roboto, then you you can optimize that for on-screen use and essentially help the it's 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 a font that will render much better on a screen. But yeah, go to the link in the show notes and check out that article. It's a nice quick read through, kind of an interesting thing to consider as far as interface design, especially on technology and screens. Uh, typography is a big chunk of what you're seeing these days. So the design and the thought that goes behind them is similar. It's a similar process, I, I feel like, to designing the old typefaces for print, but obviously for a much different medium. You would be you may be surprised how much work actually goes into designing a typeface. Um, I remember taking when I was in college, I did take a few typography courses. And so you learn all of the ins and outs of a typeface. And it is definitely a strenuous process. It is not an easy thing to do. There's a lot of consideration, especially when you get into multiple languages and and weights and styles of a font or a typeface. It's not exactly straightforward. <laughs> so the, I, I have a lot of respect for a good uh, or a nicely designed and usable typeface. So anyway, check that out in the show notes. Have a good read through that. It's, you know, just an interesting thing. Have I said that already? But anyway, <laughs> yeah, check that out in the show notes. Okay, so the next link that I want to share is I'm, I'm not sure when this was published or if it's an ongoing list, but it's on nowhere.net. And it is a list of the best self-hosted alternatives. And so basically, this is kind of stuff that I've been going over as well. And it's a list of things that you can install on your own server that will help you to replace uh, services that you may use already. Uh, and it's, you know, kind of like stuff that I've been talking about already. But essentially, it goes over automation tools it will go it goes over blogging platforms bookmarks and link sharing calendar and address books communication systems email mail transfer agents mail delivery agents mail lists and new newsletters webmail clients irc and a whole bunch of social networks and forums so it's got a lot of it's just a really comprehensive list of stuff that you can install on your own server you know depending on what kind of server you have you can install this stuff to kind of replace any third-party services that you might use. But either way, I'll just put the link in the show notes. You can go through there. It's kind of an interesting thing if you're into that sort of thing. I've definitely been looking through it just to see what's out there. You know, it's, a, like I said, probably the most comprehensive list that I've seen so far. Of course, it requires some technical knowledge to get this stuff up and running. But at least you can see that development is pretty active out there to create things for third-party services or to replace third-party services. So anyway, check out the show notes for that link. <laughs> okay, so the last thing that I want to share is if you are sit going to be sitting around, probably like I will quite a bit after stuffing my face with delicious goods, <laughs> uh, food, not just goods, that's kind of weird. But either way, is a podcast recommendation, which I, I don't, 
I've given, I think, other podcast recommendations. But this one, I think, is really interesting and, and some, one that I recommend to anybody who's into sort of science or space science or anything like that. If anybody has listened to the Stuff You Should Know podcast, which I am actually a really big fan of, it's, you know, it's one of the more or most popular podcasts on iTunes. And usually it's like recommended when when you install a new podcast app, usually in the, you know, the discover tab of the app, Stuff You Should Know will be near the top of the recommendations just because it's super popular. And I've actually listened to it quite a bit. I've actually... Crazy enough, I've been to see the Stuff You Should Know podcast live in Chicago once. They did a a podcast recording in Chicago. They were kind of on a short tour. So it's hosted by Josh Clark and Chuck Bryant. And they kind of just go over topics of everything. But, you know, that's not the podcast that I'm trying to recommend. But either way, Josh Clark from the Stuff You Should Know podcast is doing a separate podcast series and it'll just be a 10 episode thing but it's called the end of the world and it's not necessarily about like you know the everything that humans are doing to end the world you know there's no political slant on it or anything like that i mean depending on how you look at it but either way i'll put a link to the about page for this podcast but i'm gonna just kind of read through what the this podcast is about It says, we humans have a bright future. We're entering a period of technological innovation that could guarantee us happier, healthier, and more fulfilling lives and secure our species' survival for another million millennia. It could also accidentally wipe us out of existence in the next 100 years. An artificial intelligence that could build a paradise world for every human alive could also permanently enslave us. The biotech experiments that could lead us lead to cures for every major disease known to man could also trigger a global pandemic on a scale we've never seen. You, right now, are living in what is possibly the most dangerous time any human has ever lived through. And if we humans are alone in the universe, if we don't survive, intelligent life dies out with us too. The End of the World is a 10-episode deep dive by podcast pioneer, Josh Clark into the world of existential risks, where breathtaking future tech and science put humanity on the razor's edge between a future that could last billions of years and abrupt extinction. So yeah, it's it's super fascinating. <laughs> a lot of theoretical stuff go, uh, he dives into a lot of theoretical stuff in this podcast about the, the existential threats that threaten uh, the human race, as as it were, so super cool. Listen, I, I def I highly recommend it if you're if you're into any sort of scientific theory and stuff like that. About especially in regards to you know us <laughs> human beings and our place in the universe. It's it's a good listen. I definitely suggest also listening to it with headphones. There's really great audio production on it as far as like a lot of background production music and and noise and stuff i don't know it's just better with headphones on and yeah if you i think they're through six episodes right now and the rest are going to be released i think they get released every tuesday and thursday i could be wrong but either way they'll all be out sooner rather than later so you can check out the link in the show notes to the about page and i also dug through and found the RSS feed if you want to just copy and paste that into your podcast 
app uh, for a quicker way to connect to it. Uh, I know you can easily search the end of the world in your podcast app, and it, this should show up because it's already pretty popular. Uh, and the the cover art for it is just the end of the world in white text on a black background. So it's pretty straightforward and easy to find. And again, that's by Josh Clark. I've been really enjoying listening to it. It's it's fascinating stuff for sure. But anyway, check out the show notes for that link. Okay, so we're just going to wrap up the podcast here. Uh, thank you for tuning in for episode 44 of the Pixel Swim podcast. Like I said, a little bit shorter this week, but with the holidays it just kind of worked out that way. And I just may- wanted to make sure I got something out there. So anyway, uh, have a happy Thanksgiving, my U.S. F- brethren. <laughs> I'm thankful for everyone, every listener, no matter where you live. And I just... Uh, Thank you for tuning in again and check out pixelswim.com for all the show notes and social links. If you want to leave any feedback, that's always greatly appreciated. So have a great ham or turkey or mashed potatoes or corn or cranberry sauce or whatever food it is you're eating when you're listening to this. So thanks again and Godspeed. Godspeed.